Welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is Pastor Kevin Weatherby, and I invite you to saddle up and ride with us as we strike a trot to the backside of God's green pastures and learn how to live for Him. Whenever I was a young guy, like 10 or 12 years ago, um, everybody remember Chevy Love pickups? They quit making those about four years ago or so. Give or take, give or take. And, and so we had a Chevy Love pickup, and um, anyway, I climbed up onto the toolbox, and we had this cement carport thingamajig, you know, and it was made with with uh, three-inch oil-filled pipe. Everything in Texas is made out of oil-filled pipe. If you, I'm not going to explain that. If you have, if you don't know, I can't explain it. There's three-inch oil-filled pipe, and and I was just a little old guy, and anyway, I was trying to jump up and grab that three-inch oil-filled pipe so that I could sit there and hang and then let go. Normal kid stuff, you know, I just got through with the baseball game. I had my Reds jersey on, still had my, my old little uh, high water britches going and everything, and I was on there, and Dad was doing something in the yard, and I'd jump out, but I kind of had to jump at an angle like this. And so I'd jump out, and I could touch the pipe, but I couldn't get my little old hands over the top of it. And so, anyway, I'd kind of take a run and start, Jump up there and I could just nearly get it. And finally I was like, you know what? It's snowy river time, baby. And so I just took off running the length of that toolbox and I jumped as hard as I could and my old hands went right over the top of it and I grabbed on and smiled and my momentum carried me like that and there I fell. Tried to brace myself, my arm went like that and this bone popped through the skin. Pah! That didn't hurt near as bad as the back of my head. And I got up, and the first thing I remember is just, you know, rubbing my head. And I, I didn't cry. Probably wasn't smart enough to at that point, but knocked silly. And so anyway, I, I was rubbing my head, and, and I tried to do it with this arm, but it didn't work. So I used this arm. I'm ambidextrous. I can rub my head with my other hand. And um, so anyway, I walked around there, and I said, Dad. And he goes, what, son? And you have to understand, my father, when we lost the ranch whenever I was two years old, we had 42 sections. A section is 640 acres. We had 42 sections of ranch land in Kainosa, Texas. And when I was two years old, my grandmother called my dad and said, get off the ranch, you got two weeks, I sold it. And so after that, my dad went into law enforcement. And so he had seen it all. I mean, you know, if you're in law enforcement very long or anything like that, anything related, you see some horrible things. Luckily, my grandmother happened to be there because my father went, because my old bone was sticking out. And so my grandmother was like, settle down, Paul. And she still says to this day, she goes, that's the only time I've ever seen your dad totally just wig out was when you broke your arm. And so anyway, I, you know, they loaded me up in the, <laughs> dad had the cop car. We looked like the Ghostbusters mobile going through Big Lake, Texas. <laughs> Speeding through there. I was like, he's going to kill us before we get my arm fixed. And so anyway, we get to the hospital and we walk in there and I got my arm like this. And, and it, of course my shirt's still on. So, I mean, you can see the protrusion, but you can't see the bone. And it's because I wouldn't let nobody touch it. And so I got my arm like this, and I'm sitting in there, and they said, well, we got to take an x-ray. So I went in there, and uh, that, <laughs> that x-ray tech, he tried to move my arm, and I gave him a look like probably a mad mama bear gives a hunter looking at one of her cubs. He was like, 
okay, I think we'll just take an x-ray like this. So I kept my arm like this and went in there and we sat down. And I still ain't shed a tear because kind of tough like that. <laughs> Not everybody can be this tough. It's good looking. Or I didn't mean to wake up that tough that morning, but it just happens. And so anyway, I'm sitting there and, you know, uh, trying to be a tough cowboy and everything. Anyway, I hear Dr. Nunley. Dr. Nunley was just like, you know, the the prototypical small-town doctor. You called him at home if it was after hours, and he met you up at the doctor's office. That's the way Dr. Nunley was. And so he come walking in there. Hey, Kevin. Hi, Dr. Nunley. I mean, hi, Dr. Nunley. It's only a few years ago. Hi, Dr. Nunley. And uh, anyway... He's he's not in the emergency room, not in that little room part, and I'm sitting there and everything, and I hear Dr. Nunley out in the hallway say, Oh, it's broke. <laughs> it's broke? <laughs> and then I started bawling. Now, why I started bawling then, I just started bawling because I heard Dr. Nunley say it was broke. Dr. Nunley sticks his head where he could see me. He goes, What are you crying about? I said, you said it was broke. He goes, I knew it was broke before I looked at the x-ray, son, but I'm talking to Chili Holt because he just smashed his thumb with a hammer. I was like, you're talking about Chili? He's like, yeah. And Chili Holt goes, hey, Kevin. I was like, hi, Chili. And so anyway, and then I quit crying. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It was just shock. That's what it was. It was shock. And so anyway... uh, they, they, there's an interesting part about that. Uh, a couple of years later, uh, I was jumping a four-wheeler. Everybody says I'm accident prone, but you know what? I've broken a lot of bones, but I never did it sitting in no recliner. Okay? I mean, I, at least we're out doing stuff, and, and Riley, don't let anybody tell you any different. She's playing volleyball. If you break something, at least you're doing something. Unless you're falling over the dog. <laughs> Love you, girl. <laughs> anyway, uh, years later, I was jumping a four-wheeler, and, and I nosedived it, and it shot me into the ground, and it bounced up, landed on top of me, and broke my scapula in half and everything. And I was in there getting x-rays, and I was a little bit older then, so I wasn't bawling or squalling then and everything. But I'll never forget the doctor was outside the room, and my mom was standing there, and I heard the doctor say, oh, it's broke. I was like, crud. You know, how are they going to put my shoulder blade in a cast? You'd be walking around like Frankenstein or something. Of course, if, if they would have done that, I'd have had them cast me like this. That might have made me too cool, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so I heard the doctor say, it's broke. And I was like, oh man, you know... What am I going to do? And he comes walking in. He goes, what's wrong? I said, I heard you say it was broke. He said, no, I was talking to a carpenter. He just busted his thumb with a hammer. Me and mom looked at each other like, doo, 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 doo. But anyway, so they had to transfer me to San Angelo with my broken arm. And so dad's like, I ain't going to take him into the ambulance. I'm going to take him in the souped up cop mobile. So here we go to San Angelo, 70 miles away. We made it in eight minutes. We get into San Angelo, and I don't remember this part because they kind of had me doped up a little bit. I was, I was like that Geico commercial pig. Woo! Woo! It's fun. <laughs> hit me, hit me. You got to be here every week, folks, to catch all the jokes, okay? You got to be here every week. And so, anyway, I get there, 
And I'll never forget, they, they was like, we're going to have to do surgery tomorrow morning to set it and everything like that. And of course they had, you know, they had wrapped it up here, put a band-aid on it. it. It wasn't like mangled sticking out, but you know, it had bled a little bit where it would come through the skin. I still got a little scar. And, um, anyway, I'm, I'm sitting there and, uh, they needed to pull my arm out like this so they could wrap it. I wouldn't let them have it. I was like, uh-uh. They had to knock me out there in that emergency room with the Shannon Hospital just so they could tear a little second grader's hand away from him and everything. But that, I, I was sitting there praying about what I was going to preach on today. I mean, I knew what the subject was, but I didn't know what the story would be. But that illustrated perfectly what we do with God every single day. I had to give my arm to the doctor before he could fix it but I wouldn't give it to him. Even though I knew that that's what was best for me, I wouldn't give it. Last week we talked about the devil's ammo. We talked about worry. How worry is, is, is a favorite bullet that the, that the devil just uses to shoot us. And we walk right in the line of fire every week with worry. Worry is the fear that God isn't going to take care of you. Think about that. Worry is the fear that God isn't going to be on your side. Worry is the fear that God is dropping the ball. And we all worry, but the Bible says, do not worry. You know, when we talk about the commands of Christ, if I were to walk up to you and say, what did Jesus command you to do? Because remember, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I have commanded. How many of you have this religious view of what Jesus commanded? Oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. You know, you're going to go to hell if you do that. Blah, 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 blah. What about not worry? Isn't that what Jesus commanded us? He said, do not worry. But how many of our lives are plumb, filled up, overflowing, flowing out onto the floor and out into the street with worry each and every week? Wouldn't it be better if we just did what Jesus told us to do and quit worrying? Well, here's another thing that we need to do. How about this? Quit complaining. How many of us, and don't raise your hands, because I don't want to see everybody raise their hand and that one guy say, I don't complain any. Raising our hands is stupid. <laughs> complaining is the physical act of refusing God's help. I want you to think about that right quick. Complaining is the physical act of refusing God's help. You remember last week where we talked about no one can serve two masters? You can't give it to God and complain about it at the same time. Jesus says so. No one can serve two masters. You can't straddle the barbed wire fence without getting injured. Think about that. Or don't. But you can't say... I've given that all to God all the time. Because isn't that what we say? Oh, God's got that handled. But... And we just go to complaining. It has become second nature that we don't even realize that I would say about 65 to 70% of our conversations, mine included, is griping about something. Whether it's, we're not getting enough rain, we're getting too much rain, you know. My horse, I told Christy Anderson this morning, if she wanted her horse to stop better, send it to me. You know that I've got that stop mastered where they bounce on their front feet about 12 times. Because her horse has this problem of sliding real nice. 
I can fix that girl. You just bring it to me. Studied for years on the ranch to master that technique. Complaining is the physical act of refusing God's help. I remember one time I was moving this before, before I married my, my lovely bride. Um, I moved from Alpine, Texas to Kynosa, Texas. And anyway, I, I couldn't really, I want to say that I couldn't find any help. I could find help. It just wasn't, they weren't able to help whenever I wanted them to help. So like any good cowboy, I'm like, my gosh, I can do this myself. You ever tried to move a couch out of a house into a trailer, drive 90 miles north, pull it out of a trailer, go up onto a stone-leveled enclosed porch, turn a corner, go up into a house without taking the doors off because that takes entirely too much time. <laughs> By yourself, sleeper sofa. July, Kynosa, Texas. What I did not realize is that whenever we moved into this house, the water, rust ran from this water. This water would take rust off of something. You could also use it to peel paint. It was the nastiest water I had ever tasted in my life. And the first time that I tasted it was about halfway through this high-to-bed couch, 155,000 degrees. The thermometer looked like it had bled all over the porch because it had just busted. It was so hot. And I went in there, I'm pouring sweat, I'm dying, and I get a big old drink of this water, and I nearly throw up. But you know what? Us cowboys, especially those of us, and cowgirls too, you're not exempt from this. We have this thing that we can do it on our own. We don't need any help. I can do this all by myself. But then when things go wrong, we start mumbling maybe to ourselves, well, we should be nice if somebody came out here and helped me and run on and on You know, if everything goes well, you're a hero because you did it all by yourself. But when stuff goes wrong, you ain't got nobody to blame. It's time to, well, if anybody would help me, it wouldn't have happened like that. Now, I know that nobody else besides my family goes through that. I understand that. I'm just preaching to the preacher today and y'all get to witness it because it don't apply to y'all. But cowboys are notorious about doing things on their own and not asking for help. This is what a complaint, you know, whenever you've been doing that by yourself and now everything's going wrong and you're starting to gripe and moan and complain, maybe throw stuff. I know Jared never does that, working on a trailer or anything. Anybody ever beat something just for the heck of it, just because you can? Or are you like me in a thrower? I throw stuff. Ah! Ah! Christy goes, now go get it. I, I wanted to go get it. Stomp all the way over there. But this is what a complaint sounds like to God. If we can put it in a godly language, this is what a complaint sounds like. God, I don't need you and I don't want you. That's what a complaint sounds like. Because God says, cast all of your cares, all of your anxiety, all of your fears onto me. That's what He told us to do. But yet we would rather hold them like a broken arm and go, God, you can't have this because I would rather just be miserable and hurt with it than letting you heal me and make it better. It's a lot more fun, God, to be miserable and just moan and complain about this. 
That's what a complaint sounds like to God. There's an epidemic of complaining going on. Most of it goes on Save the Cowboys Facebook fan page. It's usually about me. And by the way, unless Danny, Danny's here, I am not talking about Danny because she can beat me up. Um, bicycle riders, you remember what I told about them? They are a touchy group. My good grief. Those bicycle riders, I put that thing up on, on YouTube. I got like 30,000 hits and 40,000 cussing outs by bicycle riders. I was just kidding. Wear your spandex with your junk hanging out and just go ride a bicycle. Sorry, was that out loud? That was not in the notes. Sorry about that. I wasn't complaining. I love y'all. Proverbs 3, 5 doesn't say that. It says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own judgment. Trust in the Lord. Quit complaining. Give your worries over to Him. No matter what they are, give it to Him. Quit being miserable. The second thing that complaining does, the first thing complaining does, is it is the physical act of refusing God's help. The second thing complaining is, is complaining is the belief that God doesn't know what He's doing. Because if God is in control of your life, you heard Roy say it, I gave the reins of my life over to God. I ride for God now. Well, if you're complaining about that ride and you're riding for God and if God's leading you, then really what you're saying is, you don't know what you're doing. I love what I'm about to say, honey, so don't take it the wrong way. But my wife likes to make car sounds whenever I drive. When we drive down the interstate, if I'm not applying the breakage fast enough, she goes... And when I'm driving in the fast lane, and I got 9 million people behind me because I'm driving like 10 miles under the speed limit, Pulled up like this with my blinker on, because that's how I drive. She goes, Wah! and then whenever I go to change lanes, she subconsciously tells me, blink, 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 blink. I would not be here today if it wasn't for my wife's sound effects. I had the gall to ask her one time, would you like to drive? She goes, no. I am. Husbands, when your wife starts that this week, if you come to me and complain, I'm going to throat punch you. Just warning you, because I love you, I'm going to flat out throat punch you. I'm going to pull an inner ninja. You won't even see it coming. But we want God to be in charge of our lives, but we aren't we notorious backseat drivers? Here, God, I'm going to let you take the reins. Speed up, God. Slow down. You're not going too fast. You're, I, I don't want to go down there. All the time. Look, no one can serve two masters. Either you go with him or you don't. Which one are you going to do? Because you can't do both. You can't do both. 
And a lot of us, man, we jump that fence back and forth, back and forth. When things are going good, we're going to do things our way. When things go bad, we're going to blame God and ask Him why He's making our lives total hell. It don't work like that. Your life was probably total hell because you was over there on that side in the first place. Get over here. Give Him the reins. Quit worrying. Quit complaining. God knows where He's going because He's already been there. Or, or some fancy church word, it's like omniscient or, or something. But God is not confined by time and space. You know, I, my, one of my favorite sayings is God never looked down and went, Oh, I did not see that coming. Jesus, get over here. How are we going to fix this? God doesn't do that. He has seen the very end. And He said, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. Why don't we believe that? Why can we not believe that God is going to take care of us and that we don't have any reason to worry and we don't have any reason to complain. Think about that. If you think you know better than God, then by all means, step behind the wheel of your stupid pride and hit, this, hit the gas. Because isn't that what it is? And I mean, God has been working on my pride like a jackhammer lately, and I hate it. But isn't that what it is? Pride? Sitting over there on the side, just letting God take the reins, let Him drive. No worries, no complaints. You might be saying, well, that's easier said than done. Well, maybe so. But that don't mean that, you know, so is digging a post hole. That's a lot easier said than done, but sometimes we got to get it done, don't we? And nobody drowned to death in their own try, did they? Unless you went skydiving and didn't make it. Maybe that's the exception. So how do we fix it? How do we keep from not worrying? In Philippians chapter 2, 14 through 16, the Apostle Paul says this, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. You know, I was talking to Christy yesterday when we was on our way to eat with Roy and Christy, and um, the scariest verse in the Bible to me, and I, it's in James, I think, I, I'm not real good at quoting it unless it's wrote down, um, is, out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart. Think about that. Out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart. God's Word was brought to life in human form, and His name was Jesus. What would happen if the words that come out of your mouth were, were manifested into a man or a woman? What would that person's character be like? What would that person's honesty, respect, integrity, strength, truth, what would that person look like if your words that came out of your mouth were made manifest? Apostle Paul says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Then you will be the pure and innocent children of God. You live among people who are crooked and evil, but you must not do anything that they can say is wrong. Try to shine as lights among the people of this world as you hold firmly to the message that gives life. Then on the day when Christ returns, I can take pride in you and I can also know that my work and efforts were not useless. God's given you the answer today, folks. Do you have enough faith to hear it? Hey, before you shut that knob off, let me tell you something. If you like today's program, we can all give a great big thank you to Western LLC. They're a turnkey development for oil and gas and aviation industries. You can get on the internet and visit them at westernllc.com. Also, Jim and Kelly Gerald at Integrity Auto Repair and Rod Denning at Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling. All of them out of Kiowa, Colorado. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. <laughs> okay, maybe every once in a while, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need your help to stay on the air and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. It ain't easy to ask, I promise you. We'll even tell all your friends that are listening that it's you that are bringing it to them. Help us out by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and contacting me. Call me and let's get this thing set up. Don't leave it to somebody else.